And there's real peace of mind because what you guys help people do is write it all down, Abby. They can see on paper that this thing is going to work. I was really hoping you could Sean with that one. <laughs> he, she's like shabby, right? So it's open to either it's one. It's open. Yeah, there you go. Good. Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. It's time to tune in to 1350 on your AM dial. We might be 1350 on the dial, but we're number one in your hearts when it comes to retirement. What do you guys think? I like it. I just channeled my best 1950s DJ. Ah. I'm, I'm impressed. It was, it was real good. And tonight we're going to spin the records you've been wanting to hear most. Give us a call now. Snuggle up to your loved one and grab a <laughs> soda pop. It's going downhill, guys. It's going downhill. <laughs> All right. I gave it a shot because today we're going to talk a little bit about the 1950s. Not too long ago for some of you listening, a long time ago for others, but either way, retirement has really changed since the 1950s. So we're going to have a little fun with the music. We're going to have a little fun with the cultural references, but most importantly, we're going to talk to you about how retirement has changed because what maybe your parents or your grandparents did to retire back in the 1950s is a lot different than what it's going to take for you to reach your retirement vision today. So the people who are going to walk us through how it's changed and of course, give us great Great information about what we can do to lead and live our retirement vision are Sean Honkamp. He is a CPA and a oh, these distinctions. CFF. I, CFF. RICP. All right. And you, that was the one. I couldn't remember if it was RICP or CFF. They have got, again, all these great distinctions that just mean, you know, they're up on all of the industry standards. They study a lot and they work really hard to make sure they know all of the ins and outs of retirement planning. The other person we're talking about, Abby Hunt Rods, she is a CFF a RICP and investment advisor. Yes. And an investment advisor. And of course over here, helping me spin the tunes. <laughs> okay. I should have looked up some more radio references cause I'm all out. Rochelle Smith, the producer of this podcast. Okay. So today, cool cats and kittens, we are going to talk about how things have changed and just an overall view. We just know that back in 1950, Sean, it was a lot easier to retire than it is today. Yeah, the biggest thing is going to be really complexity. Um, the, there were just fewer options. There were fewer moving pieces. My my vision would be that there may not have been as much of a need to plan when we're talking 70 years ago um, versus what we see and what we live and breathe each and every day here at Merkel Retirement Planning. One of the most common things, why I'd, I'd say most families come to us, is just the complexity of all these moving pieces as they approach their, you know, retirement stage and get on the doorsteps of retirement. Um, we have the five guiding principles laid out and there's just, there, there's individual subsets underneath those five principles. So there is just a lot of complexity that these families are trying to manage and, and control and maneuver around as they start thinking more and more about retirement. So, uh, you know, that, that's, again, that's where we try to add the most value, right? Inform, educate our families, get them to start thinking about what they need to be thinking about as they uh, approach retirement. But when we think back to, at least we're all kind of envisioning, right? None of us were alive in the 1950s, but um, there, there just wasn't as much going on. You know, you, you tended to work in the one career, the one job, stay there, um, there wasn't as much moving around, so then you would have your pension and, and you would have your savings and you would have Social Security, and there just wasn't much 
you know, much more beyond that that you need to be thinking about. Yeah. And that's a good point because I think this, the industry shift from pensions to 401k plans and defined contribution plans really put a lot of that responsibility back on, you know, the retirees, the investors to kind of own and take control of their retirement. Um, not only from a savings standpoint, but then managing that at point of retirement to deliver the income that they need, you know, for 10, 20, 30 years that a lot of our families will likely spend in retirement. So that kind of opens the door for a lot more risk as far as um, having income that's potentially dependent upon the market. You know, with pensions, it was great because they knew that that was guaranteed income that they were going to have as long as they lived. But now, you know, there's sequence of withdrawal risk. And if we see a decade like 2000 to 2010, that can be a substantial um, problem if you don't prepare for it and have a portfolio that's designed to sustain, you know, market volatility early on in retirement. Um, so it is certainly a lot more complex and you have to be a little bit more hands-on as you're managing these different pieces. And that's a great point. I mean, that makes me think of uh, to kind of what you said, the, the individual as you start planning for your retirement. Uh, to me, uh, in the 50s, it, it almost likes, it likens it to that you were just a passenger on the bus, right? We didn't have to think about saving for yourself. It was really put the time in on the pension. But now you are the bus driver, right? You've got to take full control of your retirement, start saving, you know, into the 401k. And you know you're going to have job changes and you've got to manage those, you know, old 401ks. And we, you've heard us say several times, you accumulate that junk drawer of investments over your working career. You've got to be in control of that and put that in the, you know, put all those assets to the most efficient use. And let's go back to 1950 for just a second and talk about where our country was or post-World War II. Soldiers are coming home. We know that a baby boom is happening and a lot of people that come into the Merkel Retirement Planning offices are baby boomers. So they remember, or they don't remember, but their parents, of course, lived through this. Um, soldiers were coming back with the GI Bill. So they didn't have to pay for college. So student loan debt for a lot of soldiers wasn't was not part of the conversation like it is uh, today for retirees or retirees' children, mo most likely. Uh, the GI Bill also sometimes uh, helped pay for housing, medical care. I mean, the cost of living was even a lot less in 1950 compared today to today. So comparing and contrasting retiring in 1950 and retiring today. First, let's talk about longevity. Longevity, that is. In 1950, people didn't live in retirement very long. Uh, various studies, but one that we looked at from Stanford, a center on longevity, said in 1950, a 65-year-old man could expect to live to 78. That's about 13 years uh, past that 65 retirement age. Now people living 19, 20, sometimes 30 years into retirement. So uh, just even from a planning standpoint, Sean, really you guys talk about planning till age 100. Yeah, the, therein lies the complexity that we've already talked about, right? We've got a much longer time frame that we need to account for and plan for and, and make sure that we have enough income. So within our planning, um, the, the illustrations when we're working with our families, we do show everything out. We, we always try to take it out to age 100 and make sure that the plan looks good. Um, we know life's going to throw things at us along the way, but using all the best information that we always have in front of us at that time, we want to develop that plan so that we feel good about where we are today. You know, one of the biggest questions we get all the time is that they're really just looking for confidence when it comes time to make that retirement decision, right? There's a lot of security and comfort around having that paycheck hit your bank account every you know week or every other week. 
and they want to make sure that they've saved enough, they, they have enough set aside, and that they can enjoy the quality of life that they're looking to have for, a, you know, an, an unknown time period. You know, anywhere from 15 to 30, 35 years is not uncommon. So, Abby, when we talk about planning to age 100 and we look at the investments, really kind of knowing the risk you're taking and also having those investments work for you, even after you've stopped working, the investments need to keep, keep providing income. Yeah, portfolio design is is very important when we talk about planning for the long run, um, because there needs to be a lot of different components built out as far as, you know, where are you going to get your income from? Do you want a portion of that income to be guaranteed in addition to Social Security benefits? Or maybe if you are one of the lucky few that still have a pension, but but building out, you know, kind of what you want that lifestyle to look like, and then what level of income do you need to, to live that lifestyle? And most people don't want to retire and then cut back and stay at home and not do anything fun. So, you know, how, how can we really help bring that retirement vision to life for you? And then, you know, having in on top of that, I guess, having pieces of the portfolio built out for different purposes. Um, so when in retirement, when you're no longer contributing or actively saving anymore, there are strategies that help you maximize your portfolio and your nest egg. Um, and so just having intentionality and, and design behind some of that so that you can, you know, take advantage of, of good opportunities to buy into the market and you can have, um, you know, a portion of the portfolio that's designed to beat inflation and to beat taxation in the long run, because we have to continue to grow it. You know, even though we've given up your W-2 wages, there's going to be an element that, that needs to be focused on growth for the long run, too. And Abby, you mentioned market risk going back to the 1950s. Not a whole lot of market risk when we talk about pension and Social Security being most of, if not all, of your retirement income. You know, there isn't, there aren't the concerns. We, it's pretty much a stress-free retirement plan. Um, and another comment you mentioned, Abby, but we used to kind of back into retirement and say, well, this is what I'm going to have. This is the lifestyle I can afford. And uh, something you mentioned, Abby, people want to aspire to retire to a similar quality of life, if not even better, right? We want to work for 30 to 40 years. We want to be in a position where we can go enjoy every single day. Because again, we don't know if we're getting five years or 35 years. So the goals are different. They want to set aside as much as possible to be able to achieve all of their financial goals. So back to 1950 again, hot movies of the day, a streetcar named Desire. Of course, based on a play by Tennessee Williams, who went to the University of Iowa. We are broadcasting from the great state of Iowa. All about Eve with Betty Davis. Cinderella had just come out. Still a great movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to sing, you know, the song, I know you. No? Okay. No, but I'll add it I in there for you. you. 1950, though, versus today and what the retirement, uh, the retirement landscape was like. In 1950, Social Security was often half of retirement income. Today, more like what you guys, a quarter maybe of retirement income, maybe a third of retirement income, clearly based on your specific situation. Yeah, I think the average is uh, 30 to 40%. So social security typically represents 30 to 40% of a retiree's household income. Um, But again, that's all kind of derived from what level of lifestyle do you want to live? So, and what other, you know, resources do you have? I do think, you know, the solvency of, of social security is becoming more and more a concern as more and more baby boomers are transitioning into retirement. So there's not only less 
workers paying in. You, know, you think about the baby boomer demographic, and they're all in some of their highest wage earning years. So they're paying into Social Security at the highest rate that they ever have. But 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day, that's less people paying in. And in turn, you know, over the course of the next, you know, several years, more and more people are going to be taking those benefits. Um, so interesting, a little bit of interesting information on kind of the funding of Social Security. When it first started in 1935, there were 46 workers paying in for every one person collecting benefits. And today that ratio is closer to, to two to one. So there's there's two people paying in for every one person collecting their benefit. Um, so that's obviously not sustainable. And there's going to probably be some substantial changes to Social Security, what that looks like. No one really knows at this point, uh, but that's why it needs to be just a, a small piece of your overall plan. You know, hopefully you have built out some other income sources and, and kind of planned for Social Security to not be there in the same way that it was for those in 1950. And I know I've heard Lauren say on this podcast, you know, if you're retiring today, if you're retired, maybe even in the next five years, you don't have to worry, but it's more like as the, the four of us sit here and think about our retirement, clearly Social Security not going to play as big of a part as, as it does now, and clearly not as much as it did in 1950. Exactly. That's right. That's the comment I was going to make. I was going to stress the uncertainty. That's exactly what we do. People that are within a few years of retirement, they really don't raise the question of, is it going to be there? But as we get to individuals that are maybe 10, 15 you know, years from retirement, or even as we talk to maybe some of our family's children, those concerns do get brought up, right? Can we count on social security? Should we be factoring that in as part of our plan today? And is it going to be there? And, and I think we all believe it's going to be there. I think, um, you know, the compounding of time and interest, if they make some small tweaks, um, it can have a significant impact on maybe covering that deficit that we're seeing today. As Abby mentioned that much, you know, much more people are collecting than are, than are putting in. So um, it, it's something that can get fixed. And it was, you know, it was never designed to pay out the way that it is today. So again, just a little history, which I always think is interesting. You know, when it first started, you weren't eligible to, to start your benefit until you were age 65 back in 1935. At that point, the average life expectancy was 62 and 64. So you weren't eligible to take your benefit until after you were probably going to, you know, be gone. So it was kind of there for those people that had kind of the exceptional life expectancy at the time. But today, you know, life expectancy is 89, 86, and people are eligible to take that 62. So there's a lot of things there that, you know, it, it wasn't designed to work the way that it is today. And so that's, you know, yeah, to Sean's point, it, it's going to change and it's going to look different for future generations. And again, for those right now, though, that can take advantage of this benefit, electing Social Security is a huge piece of building your retirement portfolio and not something you want to overlook. Yeah, with a married couple, we, we talk all the time about how you have 81 different options to elect. I mean, you've got that eight-year time period. You can elect as early as 62. You, you wouldn't want to defer any later than 70 because the growth stops. And something I think we're going to get into, but now we're more common to see two household or two incomes in each household. So now we have two Social Security benefits. You know, that's something different than, you know, as we talk about the 50s versus today. So now we've got two, you know, benefits that we want to assess and, and try to make the most efficient decision with, you know, not with maybe not in, with incomplete information, right? Making some assumptions, right? How long are we going to live? So we're, we're trying to assess your um, your family history and your health history and what does that look like and 
um, again, use all the best information we can and, and put that in front of us and, and work with our families to try to make smart decisions along the way. So back in 1950, again, I'm channeling my uh, 1950 radio DJ, Nat King Cole, Elvis Presley, Dean Martin, and Johnny Cash were on the airwaves back in 1950. At that same time, a lot less women were in the workforce than they are now. To Sean's point, they only one person had to retire. Only one person had to kind of get it right. Now we know that studies will show that about 75% of married women are in the workforce. So again, it adds to the complexity of retiring. Yeah. And so back to Sean's point on social security, I mean, with both spouses working, not only do both of them probably have 401k plans, they both have social security benefits. So when we're looking at what decisions to make, especially with social security, you know, one of the things we take into consideration is that survivorship um, plan. So something happens to one of the two of you, you know, what kind of income is that surviving spouse left with? And that's an important consideration because no one knows. We don't, you know, know how much time we have. But then to tie that into the, you know, the investable assets too, most families have most of their money saved in that tax deferred bucket. So a big piece of the planning today is this tax planning where we're in historically low a historically low tax environment. And so maybe it makes sense to do some Roth conversions and to build out some of these different buckets, ultimately to create the most tax efficient retirement that you can. And that's something that, you know, wasn't necessarily a consideration back in the days where it was just pension and social security, because you didn't have that control. You just, the income that you brought in was, was what it was. And you were taxed at whatever rate the IRS decided. In today's planning environment, so many of the decisions we make overlap, right? We, part of what we need to do is develop an income plan. Again, in the 50s, it was easy. Social Security and pension, it's, it's done for you. Today, the, the challenge or complexity is to take these, this pile of retirement savings that you have and, and try to use some of that to create your income plan to supplement, you know, Social Security. And if you're fortunate enough to maybe have a pension of some sort. Uh, Abby covered the tax planning, um, the investment strategy, we touched on that earlier, just the, you know, the more transparency around the decisions we're making and how we're investing. And if we're going to have a 30 year time frame, how much, uh, how impactful the, the market performance is. We talk about healthcare, right? I mean, uh, it's just different today. O- Obamacare is fairly new, the open market, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to retire prior to 65, then you've got a gap that we need to cover. You know, never, uh, we see a lot, never has age 63 and a half been so popular to retire because now we can use COBRA and cover that 18 month gap, which gets you to Medicare. You know, going back not too long ago, COBRA was frowned upon. It was always just assumed to be the most expensive option. And now um, in in a lot of situations, it might be the right option for that 18, up to 18 month time frame. So uh, takeaway, just all those moving pieces that we've mentioned before and the, you know, the, the complexity that we see today versus what people saw in the 1950s. Do you guys remember watching I Love Lucy in syndication? Lucy! I'm home! Sure do. Uh, loved that show. Still do. So I Love Lucy is popular in the 1950s. What's my line? You bet your life. And the Twilight Zone. I'll add that music in. Don't worry, Molly. Uh, you don't need to add it. You've got this. <laughs> Any reality shows that were popular back then? Uh, what was that first reality show from the 50s called? Uh, we'll have to look that up. That'll be in the show notes. No, I don't want to say something will be in the show notes. <laughs> there was one. and I, Was it You Bet Your Life? I think it was You Bet Your Life. Didn't they look back at people's lives? I've never seen that. 
You know what is a reality? In 1950, people worked longer. Uh, about half the people would retire at 65. Well, they didn't live much past 65 then. Actually, the trend now, and you guys are seeing it right here in the offices, Abby and Sean, is people are tending to retire a little bit younger. Rochelle, what did you find for a stat? The average age is 62, uh, but 64% of Americans say goodbye to the workplace between ages 55 and 65. 55 and 65. Abby, you just had this very conversation with a couple. I did, yeah. One of our families that we work with, um, they're now in their mid-70s, but they were just sharing with me that they had retired at 55 and never thought that they would spend 20 years in retirement, but they're still doing well and could likely spend another 10 or 15 years in retirement. So it, is that because they thought they'd go back to work? I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just trying to paint the picture. They think they'd go back to work. They both thought their health was such they wouldn't even make it to age 75. Um, I think that they actually had a couple pensions that helped them kind of bridge the gap at 55 to social security. And, and now they're doing really well because they have their savings too. And so, no, I don't think that they had planned to go back to work, but they just thought they'd give it a shot and turns out it's worked out really well for them. And I would say a lot of families don't anticipate that long time frame that we've talked about it. We, when we illustrate them and show them, Hey, you still have enough money at 85 and, and 90 and then age 100, they go, well, that we don't need to worry about that. Most families, again, don't think they're going to hit those 80s, later 80s, certainly into their 90s. But again, the statistics show the odds are that, you know, if you're both alive at 65, there's a good chance one of you will hit age 90. And then uh, from a planning standpoint, we go back to the, some of the survivorship options. And we know when one person passes away, 50% of the expenses don't go away. So there needs to be some planning to cover that later, you know, later lifetime frame. Well, and it's hard to imagine how medical technology will continue to advance. You know, sure, it seems like today things might be impossible and I'll never live to see my 90s. But really, that's a very probable outcome for a lot of people. But go back to the 50s, you know, they, when they continued to work later into their 60s, I, I think their, their life was work, right? We, we know they weren't planning to live for very long, but they would just kind of keep working until maybe they physically couldn't or at least they, you know, were just finally ready or feel like they had enough, the pension was enough, or maybe the benefits stopped growing. Where now we aspire to retire a little earlier, we have these plans for what we want to do, and we, we're going to have that longer time frame. They look forward to these golden years, right, and, and having this activity lifestyle and, you know, being in control of your day and being able to go pursue those dreams and that lifestyle that you have. And I do think it's important to really kind of think hard or reflect on how you want to spend all of your newfound time in retirement. So, for a lot of people, and especially this has come up a lot recently, actually, which I think is interesting because people have been working from home during COVID, you know, for this year, it's kind of been this test run in retirement. And I think a lot of spouses have found maybe they're not entirely ready to be home 24 hours a day with their spouse. And they haven't really given that much thought around how they would want to spend that time. And I think that's important and important consideration because at the end of the day, if, if you're sacrificing, you're saving, and you're making some of these decisions around what you want your retirement plan to look like, then you really need to, to pinpoint some of those dreams and goals. And, you know, do you want to travel? Do you want to purchase an RV and, and travel the United States? Um, do you want to have a vacation home? Do you want to spend time with grandkids? You know, what does that really look like? Because the transition from working into retirement and maybe your retirement involves some part-time work or kind of an encore career or something that you feel is fulfilling, volunteering. There's really a, a lot of 
um, lifestyle considerations to make when we think about transitioning into retirement. And I think that that's sometimes easy to kind of breeze over because it's not, you know, financially related and, and people feel like, you know, they'll figure it out when they get there. But having a more concrete grasp on what that looks like can help kind of motivate retirees to engage in the planning today. And while we focus while we focus on the financial planning side of it, and it's certainly important to be financially sound, having this lifestyle, this retirement lifestyle plan is is critical as well. I've had a few clients that, you know, as they've got into retirement in the first few years, they came back to me and said, you know, the best thing aside from all the technical and financial stuff, the best thing that you ever said to me was, you need to start go start creating a new circle of friends. We get into that, you know, we have that final job, that final career, and we think our coworkers are our are our friends, but we quickly learn that, you know, that that's a work relationship and then they're going to continue working. We are going to start retiring and now you've got to find people to spend your time with. And we, I see that it's an outlier. We're working with a family that they're, they're in their mid fifties and they came and had this very detailed laid out plan. They, they own three different residences. Their, their daughter is going to be done with college in, in a year or so. And they know that they're going to be selling their local, you know, uh, residents here in Des Moines. They own a place, um, you know, uh, towards Colorado. They own, they own a place in Texas, and they have their retirement plan laid out, right, which is the outlier. We, we see that most people come, and they aren't exactly sure what they're going to do, where they want to live, and maybe what their vision is for that, you know, 10 to 20 to 30-year time period. And the real peace of mind comes, Sean, when you guys write it out for people. I think they can see for the first time how what they've worked so hard to say for, what they've worked so hard to achieve is written out and then it can work. We hear all the time from our families that they come in looking for the confidence and then when we deliver that comprehensive plan to them, which summarizes their financial picture and, and paints that retirement picture for them in a way they've never seen before, the comments come in all the time. We feel good. We've never seen it like this. We Now we understand uh, how our investments work. We better understand how much risk we're taking. We better understand what we own and, and what we're paying. And now we can start to see that, hey, income looks good, right? Without doing anything, this is how it looks today. But we know we have opportunities to implement some new strategies, uh, which which comes back to the, the more time, the sooner you start planning, the more opportunities you have, right? And if you've got a longer time frame, which comes back to, we, we like to work with you if you're within 10 years of retirement, you, you have more years to implement some of these strategies and strengthen your plan and put you in the best position to achieve all of your retirement and financial goals. And I think it's important to note too, that these, these comprehensive plans that we deliver are living, breathing, evolving plans, documents, you know, we, we write it out and we have to make a lot of assumptions as we're projecting 20, 30 years out or down the road. And the reality is life is going to change. Things are going to happen. And when those types of life events come up and, and we have to, you know, adjust, that's all a part of the planning too. So it's not, uh, you know, a one and done type deal. It's something that continues to evolve and unfold as life happens. And I think that that's something that has been really valuable or our families that we work with really appreciate knowing that we're handling, you know, all these different moving parts as they continue to move. Um, so that's, that's been fun to not only help people transition into retirement, but then see it through as they, you know, enjoy those retirement years. 
And, and we know working with us is different. We strive to have that relationship and, and we strive to take you through a process so that we are working with you as you go to and through retirement. So we know that's, that's a little different. We plan to be by your side um, as life throws those curveballs at you. Okay. I'm going to call you cool cats one more time. You've been listening to Retiring Today. Maybe you were in your Ford Thunderbird, your Studebaker champion, or your Chevy Bel Air. As you listen to this podcast, actually probably from a smartphone, let's be honest. They didn't have those back in the 1950s. Here's what you could do to help us out. If you like what you've heard, rate and review. We know that every retirement looks different. You probably have some questions about your specific retirement vision. Here is a neat resource for you. You can go to MerkelPlan.com, that's M-E-R-K-L-E, Plan.com, and schedule a 15-minute retirement checkup call with one of the retirement planners here at Merkel Retirement Planning. It's a complimentary call, and you can ask a question that pertains to your retirement vision, or you can keep listening to this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Yeah, and a lot of people pursue part-time work. Is, what did the stats say about that, Rochelle? Uh, it just says also many retirees go back to work. Okay. Sorry. I, I thought you <laughs> There is no percentage. <laughs> it's your birthday. <laughs> it just doesn't say anything. Keeping you on your toes. The word many works well. <laughs> many. 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 One, 100. Many whatever. percentage. <laughs> many percentage, yeah. A number.